today on Anchored in the Word. He made me a thief. That's why I steal. He made me this way. I can't help it. I was born this way. Well, you can make an argument maybe before I'm born in sin, but we have to call it what it is. You see, the Bible calls it that. It's sin. It's sin. Homosexuality is sin. It's fornication is what it is. It's fornication. It's sin. God calls it an abomination. But in the world, in the church, everybody doesn't believe that. My question is, why? What Bible are they reading? This is Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman. When you get away from the Word of God, there's trouble. Starting from Adam and Eve, the deception continues even now. Today, Pastor Bill helps us to discern some specific areas of deception that are common today. Arguments abound even within churches in the same denomination. But the answers aren't found in opinion, but in the Word. At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or simply get in touch with us. Now here's Pastor Bill with today's edition of Anchored in the Word. Those of you that have children or have been a child, maybe you can understand this. That covers all of us, right? You know, the world just is a whole different place the younger you are. And there had been a time when you were afraid of something. And someone came along to comfort you. If you're a child, it's generally your parents. And they comfort you by a couple of ways. One, just by maybe just embracing you. And you just you get close to them and you know that that's a place that you recognize as a safe place. And one of the other things, especially as you get a little older, one of the things that, that help you retain that, that place of peace is when somebody explains to you the way things are. For example, if you're afraid of the dark, there's nothing to be afraid of. You're okay, you're safe, there's nobody out there. Basically give them truth, and it dispels what they're afraid of. That kind of a thing. They needed more information. And they obviously have to believe the information, right? Over what they're believing in their minds at that point just make them afraid, let's say, I'm thinking of a child. The parent comes in and says, don't worry, everything's okay. There's nobody out there. I'm here for you, you're safe. That idea, it's ah, and maybe you can see the kid just kind of like, okay, things are okay, you know? Well, in a sense, that's what was happening and what was needful to the church there in Thessalonica in chapter 2. The Apostle Paul being that parent, if you will, at this time, writing back to them because they were in a time and a place that was very hard. They were probably afraid. There was persecution going on. We talked about there was tribulation going on. And it's seemingly that, this happens to me sometimes, I just use this term that the wheels are falling off the wagon. I don't know what that means to you, but to me that means things are falling apart, it seems. I'm looking at things in the natural realm and and I'm thinking, is this thing ever going to stop or what's happening, you know? And I got to go somewhere for truth. And I don't run to my parents at this point in time, but I run to the word. And that's what Paul is doing to the church. Here's what was happening. 
We talked about the persecution was going on in Thessalonica. They were being, just because they were Christians. Because since Jesus walked the earth, people were, and even before that, were opposing God. And when you oppose God, you're not real quiet about it. You always find out who an atheist is. They're opposed to God. You find out about them. And then the people, the more that people stand for God, you see that in one sense, and you can say this, and this fits, and this all hell breaks loose against Christianity. That's what was happening there. And what was happening in one of the devices of the enemy to thwart what God is doing is to just try and deceive the believers. It started in the Garden of Eden. And the attack came against the word of God. Remember? The word was real simple in those days. It was, do not eat of that tree over there because the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Pretty simple. What did he mean by that? We have to parse the original language and find out. Well, there's only one language at that time, and they had it. And, but what did he mean by that? Was, did he veil that in secrecy? You know, No, it was a tree. They all knew what a tree was. There were trees all around them. They were familiar with trees. They were eating of the fruit of the trees, but that particular tree, God pointed it out. They saw where it was. It was in the midst of the garden. Do not eat of that, because the day that you do, you will surely die. So the warning came, and we know that the deceiver came. And the attack came against the word of God, what God said. He comes out, has God said, that was what the devil was saying, has God said, Eve, really? And then he began to do a whole bunch of things. And really what happened to her was she'd heard the word, she knew what it said, she'd add a little bit to it, but the idea was she got to the point where she was so deceived that she didn't heed the word. And she ate. And it says her husband with her ate as well. And so we see the attack against God's word. Has God said? One of the other things that he said there was, Eve, the reason God, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he meant, God's lying to you. The reason he doesn't want you to eat of that tree over there is because when you eat of it, you're going to be like him. You're going to be God if you eat of that tree. And some people are still buying that lie today, that you can be God. And the idea was the lie that they had believed was that we're in the tribulation period. We'll see that as we go through. As a church, they believed they're in this period because the, the trouble was there. The tribulation was happening. Terrible things were happening to believers, and some thought that they were in that period of time that Paul taught them about in the three weeks he preached to them, that they were in the tribulation period, that time that's going to come in the future. And he had to write them and say, no, kids, it's okay. This isn't the tribulation period. And he's going to walk them through it. This is what has to happen. That has to happen before that happens. And more than that, you're going to be out of here before that happens. So just relax. It's all right. Let's pick it up in verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled. Now, why did he ask them that? Because they were that. They were that. They were looking to the future. They were in the present, and they were afraid because of they didn't rightly interpret what was happening to them. And God has given us the word of God so that we could know not just how to be saved, 
it's in there, how to be saved. That's very important. But once you're saved, it gives us instruction on not just how to live. That's in there too. But what in the world is going on around here in the universe? I mean, in with the people. How do we interpret? Because somebody's saying this is true. Somebody's saying that's true. What is truth? We find it in the Bible. The one thing that we can believe in, I just heard these guys debating. Won't give you the names, but one's an astronomer slash Christian who believes in an old earth, and they had this, you know, Ken Ham was the other guy that was there, and they're sitting there debating, and the one guy says, well, there's, you know, millions of years, and, and Ken's saying, no, it matters that you take it literally, the six days of creation, it's a literal six days, and they're arguing, and, they're, and there's a guy in the middle saying, why are we arguing about this, or why are we debating this, it's okay, we all believe in Jesus, and Ken's, Ham is adamant saying, no, authority of Scripture is important. If we undermine it on these little things, why do we believe the rest of it then? The virgin birth. Maybe we can explain that away. How you get saved. Maybe you don't take that literally either, right? I mean, and he had a good point. And so this idea of biblical authority, in other words, what the Bible says, taking it at face value, and the argument was, by the way, for Genesis, if we wouldn't have had somebody observing the universe... And somehow coming with an idea like we've been here for billions of years, really, that is not in the Bible. You won't come up with that in the Bible on its own. That's extrapolating from the things you've observed out there in the universe and trying to make the Bible fit into your model that you've come up with. Because you won't find that in the Bible, the billions of years in the Bible. So, but the idea is, there, some are saying, what's the problem with that? Can't we all just say, well, we believe it? There is a problem because it's the undermining of the Word of God. That's what happened in the garden. What you believe will dictate how you live. They were afraid. They needed to be corrected. They needed to be told from their father in the faith how things were. But he didn't just tell them new things. He was reminding them of what he already told them. They'd forgotten or they'd gotten off. The deceptive letter had come or however that teaching came in that we're in the tribulation period. Some people believe, by the way, that we're in the thousand-year millennial reign. I mean, some people believe that. We believe that, that's coming soon, or coming, we don't know when, but there's going to be a thousand literal years after the return of Christ, after he sets down his foot on the Mount of Olives, after the tribulation period, and he's going to set up his kingdom on earth. Hallelujah, we believe that for a thousand years, he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem, the saints are going to rule and reign with him. Some people believe that it's happening right now. This is it. I'm thinking, if this is it, do you realize what, it, what the Bible says that it's going to be like? Children will be able to put their hand in a poisonous snake's uh, uh, hole and they won't be bitten. This is not going to be, you know, there's going to be a righteous government. Everything the government does is going to be right. And people are going to be in line. It's going to rule with a rod of iron. But the world is not going to be like it is today when Christ is on earth for a thousand years. How do I know that? Because the word says that. I've never been in a righteous kingdom before. That on the earth, that is. You know what I mean? I've never seen that. It's hard for me to fathom. Like, really? That can actually happen? Well, we want it, don't we? And all of us want that in our hearts. God's put that there. We want righteousness to be, we want to all get along together. It's just not happening. And we see more of it in the church where it's, it's people are getting, but you know what I'm getting at. It's going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. So Paul's addressing these things because they were shaken in mind. They were troubled. In verse 2, he says, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. 
The day of the Lord that we believe is going to start and be ushered in by the rapture of the church will be taken up. Taken up to meet with Christ in the clouds. He's going to come back in the clouds, not come back to earth. He's going to, we're going to meet him. The church is going to go up to meet him. That's called the rapture of the church. We'll be snatched away. Those that believe in Christ be taken out of the world. The second coming is when seven years later, after the tribulation period, seven years later, Christ is going to come back to earth, it says, with ten thousands of his saints. He's on a white horse, their own horses as well. He's going to set down his foot. He's going to just wipe out the armies that are going around in the Antichrist and all that stuff. He's going to set up his kingdom. Judgment day, that day. And we're going to be with him. But they were believing that they were in this tribulation period that's going to happen after the church is taken out. So he's writing them to encourage them that that hasn't happened yet. And we get to verse 3 and we see the problem. It's still happening in our midst today. This was in the first century. Here we are centuries later. It's still happening. Look what it says. Verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means. The deceiver is looking to deceive people. Let no one deceive you by any means. They had been deceived. They'd been told the truth by the Apostle Paul, and now they were believing something different. And by the way, the fruit of it was they didn't have peace. They were troubled because they got off. When you get away from the Word of God, there's trouble. Look what happened to Adam and Eve. They had trouble. We're still experiencing the fall right now because of what happened to them in the garden. They caused trouble by getting away from the simple word of God. There's trouble when we get away from God's word. And look what he says. Let no one deceive you, verse 3, by any means. For that day, the day of the Lord, will not come unless the falling away comes first. Now, two things he's going to mention here. One, the falling away. Two, the man of sin is revealed. The falling away, that word means departure. A departure, unless the departure comes first. He's not talking about the, um, and some people teach this, but I don't believe that. Some people think the falling away or departure means the rapture. But the difference is the sense of that word. See, the rapture is not something that we're going to, oh, the rapture's here, I'm going to choose to go. No, when the rapture comes, you're either going or you're not. It's not a choice. We are snatched away. The departure that's talked about here is a choice you make. A conscious choice to depart from the faith, depart from the truth. You see the difference? There's a big difference there. So what's he saying? And the word, by the way, in the original language, and you'll recognize this word in English, the transliteration, apostasia, right? We get our word apostasy from that. That word means to be in the faith and then to turn from the faith, to depart from the faith. So apparently that's possible. There's a word for it. And he says, there's going to be that happening. Here's what I would ask you. I don't know exactly what was going on in the first century regarding departing from the faith, but I'm looking around now and I'm seeing a lot of that going on. I'm seeing a lot of that, which just tells us that we're getting closer to the rapture. So hold on. Stand fast. That's the word he's going to say to us today. Church, stand fast and hold on. We are rapidly in the church departing from the Word of God, the ways of God. Not in this church, unless I'm completely deceived, and I don't believe I am because I'm reading the Word and I'm doing the Word, and that's how you keep from becoming deceived. But I'm looking around at the church, and I'm seeing things happening, and you know, the the buzzword or the the sin of the decade or whatever, whatever it is, is homosexuality. Let's just use that as a, I'm not picking on any one group, I'm just saying, this is the thing that's making headlines today, 
This is where the rubber's meeting the road, and that's not, that's not all. You know, it used to be things like divorce or fornication. Those things are like, they're so acceptable nowadays. We need something else, right? It is. Half of children are born out of wedlock or something like that. But, for example, in the church, it's called the church. Not only is it that people saying that that is an acceptable lifestyle, oh, it's an alternative lifestyle. It's like, pick one. It's okay. You can pick that one or pick that one. God's okay with it. Just pick one. Oh, he made you that way. That's the biggest lie in the book. That wouldn't be very loving if God's going to condemn people to hell and he made them that way. No. We could say that about every sin then, right? He made me a thief. That's why I steal. He made me this way. I can't help it. I was born this way. Well, you can make an argument maybe before I'm born in sin, but we have to call it what it is. You see, the Bible calls it that. It's sin. It's sin. Homosexuality is sin. It's fornication is what it is. It's fornication. It's sin. God calls it an abomination. But in the world, in the church, everybody doesn't believe that. My question is, why? What Bible are they reading? What Bible are they reading? It's in there. Does that mean we hate people? No, we love. We embrace people. We don't love the sin. We shouldn't love our own sin either. But think about this for a moment. If the Bible's true, and I believe it is, and he, warned, he tells us in here about heaven and hell and how you get there by receiving Christ, and, and he tells us the way we either walk in it or we don't. Now, if somebody's walking in the way to hell because they're deceived, they believe that what they're doing is right even. And I, I can see why. I can see why the world believes this because, I don't know, I want to say half of the church is teaching it's okay. Didn't get that from the Bible, though. Old Testament, New Testament. It's clear. Oh, what Jesus didn't say. It's clear in the Bible. Fornication is wrong, too. Adultery is wrong. It's a sin against God. But if you didn't tell someone, if you didn't stand for truth, would that be loving? Of course not. And the falling away is happening. That's the point. It's happening in our midst. And they're blaming it on God. Has God said, really? Has God said that homosexuality is wrong? It's the same lie in a different package. Yes, he said that. And he will judge it. But we're to love. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying to you. Because there are people that hate because people are different than them. And that's wrong. That is not what God teaches. But we preach the truth in love. But there's a falling away happening in our midst, folks. But if I can help it, by God's grace, it's not going to happen in this church. Because I'm going to tell you something. One of the things that happens, and this is the temptation, if you stay away from certain topics, like the one I just talked about, more people come to church because some people are offended by what I just said. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but I'm not apologizing for that because I'm just preaching truth to you. If you've got a problem with that, take it up with God, not with me. Is that the truth, though? That's the truth, right? He made things. We have to just do what he says. But we have the truth. We believe the Bible. Now, so the falling away has to come first, folks. It's happening. It's going to get worse as days go by. I really believe that. But it's happening in our midst. The turning from the faith. Be evidenced by people not believing the Bible. 
And the second thing is the man of sin, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. He's talking about the Antichrist. Oh yeah, that's real. That's not just a movie. That's real. There's a man. He's going to be a man, and he's going to be called the Antichrist. There's a spirit of Antichrist we talked about last week, but this guy is a real guy, probably walking the earth today. I believe that. It says in verse 4, look at that, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. See, this guy is going to have to have superpowers, as it's going to say as we go on, and he's, the devil's empowered him, and he's going to have answers for the day. He's going to have the answer for the financial problem. He's going to have the answer for the drought problems. He's going to have answers for the crime problems. He's going to have all these answers. He's going to be empowered by the devil. Did I say empowered by God a minute ago? I meant empowered by the devil. So it's, a, it's supernatural in the sense that it's empowered by the devil. This guy's going to have the answers. And everybody's going to follow him blindly. And they're going to think because he's got the answers, he's God. Or not that he's God, that he's the Messiah, that he's the Savior, or that he's somebody like that. Because there's going to be a one world religion. There's this whole thing going on. Verse 5, he tells them, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? We don't need to know new things. We just need to remember the things that God has already told us and believe them. Beware of people that they come down the road, oh, I got the latest new thing, you know, check out this in the Bible. Nobody's ever seen this before. <laughs> well, if that's the case, it's probably not the right interpretation of the Bible. Somebody's put their own angle in there to something new. I'm not saying we shouldn't learn something new, but I'm saying Paul says, look, I told you this already. And that's the thing with God. He's made the rules very simple and clear. Just take me at face value. It's not that hard. Even a child could figure it out. What God says, verse 6, and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his old time. He's talking now, he's going to mention the Holy Spirit, and he's talking about the fact that when the church is taken out in the rapture, because the Spirit of God dwells in the church, in each believer, and in the church collectively, when it's taken out in the rapture, the world's going to be different. Now, there won't be an absence of the Holy Spirit because God's omnipresent, he's everywhere, but what's being said is, we're basically, because the church is still here, it's keeping the Antichrist from being revealed. Now, God's planned it that way. God's planned it that way. He says, verse 7, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains the Holy Spirit will do so until he is taken out of the way. When the church is taken out of the way, all hell is going to break loose on earth. Well, that's all the time we have for today here on Anchored in the Word with Pastor Bill Beckelman of Calvary Chapel Coastlands. Don't forget to join us next time as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of 2 Thessalonians. If you've missed part of this message and would like to catch up or you'd like to hear it again, this message has been archived at our website at anchoredintheword.com. That's anchoredintheword.com. And if you'd like to continue studying with Pastor Bill as he teaches through the Bible at Calvary Chapel Coastlands, we have the entire library of his messages posted for listening and download. Visit our website at anchoredintheword.com and connect with Calvary Chapel Coastlands for our online media library. 
We would love to hear from you. So if you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, please contact us. Our phone number is 732-544-2225. That's 732-544-2225. If you prefer to write, our address is 178 Main Street, Eatontown, New Jersey, 07724. Or email us at info at com. If you're in the Eatontown, New Jersey area and would like to visit us, we would love to meet you. Calvary Chapel Coast Lands is located at 178 Main Street, Highway 35 in Eatontown, New Jersey. Anchored in the Word is the radio ministry of Pastor Bill Beckelman of Calvary Chapel Coast Lands. We hope you will join us next time as we continue our study through the book of 2 Thessalonians. It's our prayer that you would be moored in sound doctrine and anchored in the Word.